Hello and welcome back to Interpreting India. This season, we at Carnegie India are examining many of the challenges and opportunities that India will confront in the coming decade. I am your host, Konar Bhandari, and this week, we're discussing semiconductors. Today, semiconductors are used everywhere, whether it's the device on which you're streaming this episode, the drive assist or safety features of a car, or aerospace and defense equipment, semiconductors are ubiquitous. In the last couple of years, there has been a dearth of supply of semiconductors. The semiconductor shortage today can be attributed to supply chain disruptions and several geopolitical factors in the early days of COVID-19. Realizing the importance and potential of semiconductors, countries around the world, including India, have been investing in the semiconductor capabilities. In December 2021, the Indian government approved a rupee 76,000 crore production-linked incentive scheme to boost semiconductor and display manufacturing. In this episode of Interpreting India, we'll take a closer look at semiconductor supply chains and India's potential in the space. What have governments across the world been doing to strengthen production capability? Where does India fit in? What does the increase in semiconductor capabilities mean for the world? To help us navigate some of these questions, we have with us today, Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay Gupta is the Vice President and India Country Manager at NXP India, a seasoned professional with more than 25 years in the semiconductor industry. Sanjay is committed towards the development of the sector in India and has been vocal about the importance of government industry academia partnership in key industry forums. He leads NXP's business in India while ensuring local compliance with both government and corporate programs and policies. Sanjay, welcome to Interpreting India. Delighted to have you with us. Uh, let us begin by understanding the key reasons for India to make a massive push for having a semiconductor industry. Uh, as we all know, during COVID-19, there was a momentary disruption in supply chains the world over. And you know, as we all know by now, automobile companies had to cancel their orders and chips were basically repurposed towards different consumer electronics applications. There were also US export control measures at this time which were instituted, which essentially completely prohibited sales to many companies blacklisted by the U.S. Commerce Department. So many companies began to essentially stockpile chips at this time, and they essentially ordered several years' worth of semiconductors. There were also some natural disasters which struck in various countries, which affected chip manufacturing capabilities. So Sanjay, uh, as I said before, uh, can you just help us to get a good lay of the land regarding the key reasons for India to make a massive push for having a semiconductor industry? Sure, thanks for the question. So uh, I will answer the question in, uh, you know, one in a short term mindset and one in a long term. Uh, on the outset, I would say that uh, even without this pandemic, having a semiconductors expertise, uh, both in design as well as in a long term manufacturing uh, with the whole ecosystem was very much in the uh, purview of uh, Ministry of Electronics and Government of India for, uh, for more than a decade. And the simple reason is... Uh, we have to think it, uh, you know, as an economist, that today any economy which is having higher quality of output versus another economy or another country having uh, equivalent, um, you know, level of uh, economic output, you know, the the level of fiscal balance between the two countries is decided based on that quality. Uh, if you recall the old water system where. Uh, you know, one kg of uh, wheat uh, replacing with one kg of, say, uh, you know, milk or any other commodity. That's how it started. And today, with all estimates, the kind of import that India does 
every year, year on year. It has been a big drain on country's economy. And uh, as we all know, the more the fiscal deficit, the more the value of Indian rupee get devalued. And uh, it has uh, consequences on the country's inflation and you know uh, overall uh, economy uh, going down. And that's where the government realized it long back that the way we are consuming electronic products as Indians, starting with the largest mobile phone consumption um, uh, market in India, starting with growing uh, network infrastructure, the growing internet access, if we do nothing about electronic manufacturing and keep on importing, you know, there was a point where it was realized this whole import is going to over uh, shoot to a point where it is more than even the oil imports. And we already know that, um, you know, every one rupee increase into, uh, you know, crude price or every $1 increase in crude price directly results into significant impact on uh, India's GDP and as a fiscal deficit. So we did not want it as a country to have a second source, which becomes such a big liability on us for many, many decades to come. Hence, uh, government of India rightly decided that we have to do something about it. I think COVID only created, uh, you know, what was not very obvious uh, to obvious to everyone that uh, not just in terms of country's economy, in terms of the overall supply chain, uh, complete dependence upon one or two countries for semiconductors manufacturing is not good in long run. Hence, it becomes an additional factor, in my opinion, which further expedite the need for uh, you know, uh, self-reliance and as uh, Honorable Prime Minister says, Atmanirbhar Bharat, uh, to have the self-capability to design um, uh, semiconductor chips so that we are all ready for future when we need to do everything on our own. So these are the primarily two reasons. In a very simplistic way, I would um, I will state. Sure, Sanjay, uh, you, you know, brought up the question of there being a massive import bill and the Prime Minister's vision of an Atmanirbhar Bharat. At this point, I'll ask you a tangential question. Uh, are there any lessons from consumer electronic industry where we have seen moderate progress in the Make in India plan? Would there be any lessons from that particular scope of uh, you know, the industry? to apply to the semiconductor industry? Well, uh, I think you are uh, quite right when you make that comment that lessons learned from uh, you know, the other industries, which were actually quite parallel life, you know, if you see with respect to semiconductors. And uh, I would say, based on whatever I'm seeing in terms of policies and procedures being laid out by government of India, I think they have uh, not just learned some lessons, they have actually trying to leapfrog a lot of other countries in terms of uh, the offerings that they are trying to uh, you know lay out for semiconductors manufacturing um, just to give you some um, insights into why i am saying so i haven't seen a government policy where you offer 50% of uh, up to 50% subsidies uh, not just on the infrastructure tool cost but on the entire project cost right and for your viewers uh, it's important to know that when we say a project cost it's much different from uh, just the infrastructure cost because the project cost includes end-to-end -end expenditure, including buildings, lands, water, electricity, even the manpower, right? Versus just saying that, okay, whatever hardware capital investment that you do, we are going to offer that subsidy. So in my mind, offering such a heavy subsidy, um, uh, which is uh, of course dependent upon which technology node that you go for. Uh, for example, if you go for advanced technology node, uh, uh, you know, 16 nanometer or below, I believe there's a up to 50% subsidy on the project cost. If you go below 60 nanometer, but uh, above 28, 
uh, or above uh, 40, above 40 nanometer, then it's uh, 40% subsidy. And then below 40 nanometer, it's 30% um, subsidy. Um, but I think it's huge because um, any company who would like to invest in India and they straight away get uh, 30, 40 or 50% subsidies on the entire budget cost uh, for uh, five to six years of overall duration. I think it's amazing. It has never been seen before in any other sector. If you go back, uh, whichever sector you pick up, uh, I think this is one of the first kind the government of India has laid out this policy. And the kind of speed, the kind of action, the kind of seriousness that I'm seeing into uh, different government departments, uh, you know, the sense of urgency with which they are coming on and laying out uh, one step after another, including setup of uh, Indian Semiconductor Mission, right? And so this is an independent body that they have uh, decided to set up with independent leadership team and, uh, you know, direct uh, uh, decision-making power for driving this whole sector forward. Uh, says a lot about government's intent, uh, which again, I don't see has been done uh, in uh, many of the other manufacturing sectors. Uh, so I'm very positive seeing all that which is happening. And another thing I would like to mention that it is not just about semiconductors manufacturing, which is of course the last uh, you know dream of any country uh, to become self-reliant. There are a lot of ecosystem that goes along with the semiconductor chips. Once you manufacture a chip, you know it's it's a raw chip. Uh, it's a silicon wafer, but to convert a raw silicon wafer into a usable chip, there is a the whole industry we call OSAT or ATMP, you know, which is nothing but automatic, uh, you know, testing, packaging, and the validation before a chip is any use to uh, end customer. These entire, uh, you know, uh, supplementary setups are also part of this uh, new semiconductor policy. And I believe, again, up to 30% of the overall project cost are being uh, proposed as subsidy from the government, even if you want to set up these OSET facilities in India. And uh, truly speaking, with already designed capabilities, plus manufacturing, plus uh, OSET, this will make a whole end-to-end -end ecosystem in the country, which uh, I believe will kill another uh, issue that was there for a long time, that even if you have a discrete solution, in lack of the overall end-to-end -end solution, we will always be bottlenecked because of our infrastructure and the supply chain challenges. So I think this is a very visionary move uh, that I'm seeing after a long, long time. And uh, of course, it's only half job done. We have to see the implementation and you know the follow-up from here on. But uh, so far, it looks very promising. I was just going to come to the Indian government's recent plan announced last month. Uh, regarding semiconductors, a 76,000 rupees crore scheme, uh, approximately 10 billion US dollars. And you address many of the critical components of that scheme. I wanted to just delve a little bit deeper into that scheme and talk about you know, the government incentives. Uh, I mean, clearly the plan, you feel the plan is attractive enough to draw in investors, but what more can be done? Is there anything more which the industry feels could be done in this plan to attract investment? And uh, you know, also, what do you think about the proposal in the plans? For example, a lot of countries in the past have usually focused on the high-end nodes of chip making. You know, as you mentioned, 60 nanometer and below. But the government has also sort of incentivized in this scheme the uh, production of chips even above 60 nanometers. You know, they're giving subsidies for 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 that as well. So, uh, what is your overall estimation of the scheme? And do you think more can be done to attract investment? See, the first thing is. Uh... Uh, you know, if you look into the consumer electronics, if you look into the gadgets that are being uh, used by masses, you know, the reality is that uh, 
the the latest ad advanced nodes uh, 28 nanometer or lower uh, which is 60 nanometer you know and further uh, uh, down these are the nodes uh, which definitely are the cutting edge but the masses are not still using the products from them right at max you might have iPhones, uh, you know, being uh, uh, made from chips, which are of uh, these latest cutting edge nodes. But uh, majority of the mobiles, for example, that will be using uh, India with the 1.3 billion population. And even if we say everyone has one mobile and uh, we are the highest mobile penetration country in the world, the reality is that 80% of the mobile will not be kind of falling into the advanced uh, smartphones. Right? That's a reality. Uh, still, there are a lot of feature phones that are being used at the, at the bottom of the pyramid. Uh, same way, when you talk about uh, a lot of gadgets used in home, whether you call it, uh, you know, TV or a fridge or, uh, you know, the simple uh, sensors, none of those are uh, in the cutting edge uh, technologies. Uh, not only that, government also trying to think from not just the, the supply side of the problem. There's another problem, which is the uh, demand side of the problem. No one is going to benefit from a fab if there's a lot of, manufacturing of these chips, but uh, there are no takers. So how to create a sustainable uh, demand? That is another thing. Now, we might look into a tunnel vision and think uh, what is happening today where there's a shortage everywhere. But we all know that, uh, you know, everything will um, come back to the mean a reversal sooner or later, which means that sooner or later, the demand is going to come back to a normal seat, whether it takes one quarter or two quarters or a year, right? Uh, nobody has seen the crystal. Well, so we will uh, only see it in future. So I think a lot of internal demand that will be generated within India uh, from uh, local consumption, it could be from a defense sector, it could be from local industries, uh, you know, the small scale industries. I uh, can guarantee you that none of uh, those uh, entry level electronic uh, requires uh, the cutting at 60 nanometer. So long story short, since government is putting this entire uh, you know, positioning from 65 nanometer, uh, 45, 28, 14. Uh, we, I believe that it is much wider scheme applicable to the country dynamics and applicable for a long-term sustainable demand. So it's actually the right thing to do versus offering it only for the advanced mode. So that is to answer your, uh, you know, um, question number one, I believe. Now, you had also asked uh, what extra we can do to make sure that uh, India becomes the semiconductor superpower in times to come. So my response would be that, uh, you know, like there's a famous quote, uh, Rome was not built in one day, right? So same way, no matter how much passionate we are, no, much, no matter how much uh, serious reality is that it will take its own sweet time, right? A plant cannot become a tree in day one, right? Even if you want western class sunlight and manure and, you know, water, and if you are having right commitment, it will take its own sweet time. But I will give you an example of a bamboo tree. Uh, you know, for uh, six years, you water it, you nurture it, uh, nothing comes out. And suddenly, within next uh, uh, six weeks, it grows by over 100 feet or so. Uh, because you were taking care of that to make the roots are, you know, founded well. I would say that uh, if government continues to have the right intent, uh, uh, policy laid out is one thing, but implementing it, uh, having the right leadership in place is another thing. And if we um, execute onto this plan well, I do not think with the kind of talent India has, with the kind of uh, operational excellence India can create, um, we have proven it in uh, you know 
various different aspects wherever this kind of focus was put in right you have clear examples you know the the famous missile story of india uh, the satellite story of india uh, you know the the uid aadhar card story of india where we penetrated a billion uh, people uh, against anybody's uh, you know uh, i would say best dreams it is a, is a testimony to the fact that we can do anything that uh, that is laid out in front of us provided there's a political will and there's a right execution i know this is a daunting task uh if it was easy any country would have done it india would have done it long back the reason it is difficult that's why we are at this point in time but i also believe that this time the mood is different this time we are on a cross juncture which seems uh, very different the uh, the country is looking forward to that uh, the industry is looking forward to that customers are looking forward to that and i honestly believe we, even the world is looking forward to that after seeing what happened in covid they would like india which is a very stable uh, geography uh, a stable economy uh right leadership uh you know good uh policies and uh, ease of doing business is continuously on the up- upside in last 6 years we have i think jumped more than 70 80 places as per world bank so we are having all the right uh, guns which are firing for us and i do believe that uh, uh, to answer your last question if one thing can be done uh, i would say we need to have companies in india uh just like uh, the bigger giants uh, which are ruling the semiconductors world uh, right now there is none we can manufacture but again manufacturing without design without concept might look hollow in long run so my personal desire would be that uh, government uh, vision uh, which i believe is very much there should be you know the whole side of the story so if it is a uh, circle i would say the one side is manufacturing the other side of the circle uh, is or a, or a coin is uh, design and we need to focus to create some of the indian giants uh, which can uh, compete with the global giants with the same reputation uh, that yes we can also as a country design products uh, and these products are best in class these are the cutting edge uh, disruptive products for the industry whether they go into 5g market or go into uh, wireless uh, market you know the whole world is open to us to design and uh, that's where i will think that uh, the startup program and that uh, government has launched with equal fanfare uh, and the kind of uh, celebrity status the startup uh, leaders are getting just like you know our sport leaders get or our film stars get with that kind of uh, uh, celebrity status getting to innovators and uh, you know the business process innovators will really change india and uh, i think uh, again you know things are aligning well so i would love to see where companies startups are designing uh, side of the story and then when they need to manufacture they have manufacturing capability within india and that ecosystem end to end is present so that would be my desire and uh, government is already the third part of the scheme called dli right design linked incentives um, so government is already working on that so there is an initial proposal also where for some of the startups which are having majority stake as a indian they will be uh, getting about uh, 2 million dollars of funding uh, from the government uh, as long as they can prove their concept and they can um, prove that yes this money was worth it in terms of some and solution so this is a very uh, good first step i will also say that it is not going to be sufficient because we cannot make uh, a multi billion dollar semiconductor organization uh, with 2 billion 2 million dollars but nevertheless 
anything is more than zero is good, right? So this is a very good beginning, and this will inspire more and more people to come forward, and uh, you know, use and leverage onto this funding, and uh, hopefully, with all the avenues of investment now very open in India as well, uh, with the right level of infrastructure support, enablement support, funding, um, there there will be good handholding will be done for these companies. Uh, your point about uh, you know the world looking towards India to be a manufacturer of chips is well taken, and it's an interesting segue into another point of techno nationalism. Now you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast how you know the Indian government was already seized of the matter to increase chip production even before the pandemic hit, and uh, essentially now raises the issue of techno nationalism, which, as the Carnegie scholar Michael Nelson had said, is essentially privileging security concerns over commercial benefits. Uh, where every country sort of seeks to become self-resilient in manufacturing of chips. So the question at this stage is, you know, various countries have come up with plans to manufacture chips to be self-sufficient. So the issue is, could overproduction happen? Could this lead to a glut in supply and then eventually lead to a subsequent fall in prices, Sanjay? See, uh, I would say that at the end of the day, as I said earlier, everything comes back to the mean, right? So. Uh, something is ultra low, it will come back to mean uh, by rising up. Something going uh, extremely, uh, uh, you know, super duper uh, aggressively will come back uh, with a lower uh, consumption or lower usage and come back to mean. You know, just like you know, the equity curve behaves in any market. Everything comes back to mean. So, well, if the whole world starts doing it and uh, doing it uh, over and beyond the regular demand, what you are saying might be. You know, true, but uh, I would presume that uh, if you look into the current, uh, um, you know, status uh, with multiple research that have come out, uh, semiconductor manufacturing demand is growing at the rate of seventeen to eighteen percent, versus the way manufacturing capability and capacity building is happening is happening at seventy eight percent. So at least at this point in time. The growth is much, much uh, surpassing the availability or the infrastructure, the way it is catching up. So growth is ahead of the curve. And I think, uh, again, if you look around all the application areas, uh, from automotive to industrial, you know, everywhere, on average, double-digit growth of semiconductor electronics that is growing. Just to make it real, you know, take a automotive sector, which we can all imagine, right? Because we all drive those cars. A typical car uh, 10 years back versus a typical car today, you will see a vast difference in the way electronics is being used into the car. Today's car, we almost have a desire that it should behave like our living room. It should have the uh, you know, the latest uh, touch-based capabilities uh, with Bluetooth, with, uh, uh, you know, all your uh, connectivity uh, that you believe your home uh, gadget will provide, your car should provide. Uh, it needs to have a GPS capability. It needs to have uh, latest, uh, uh, you know, touch panels and audio-video capability. Beyond entertainment, it needs to be uh, having the power steerings and power windows and, uh, you know, now the automatic lighting, automatic wipers, and going ahead, uh, the super advanced cars, which may not be there that much in India, uh, with a lot of ADAS capability, where the blind spot detection capabilities, the pedestrian uh, detection capability uh, to avoid accident, 
uh, you know, some of those cards are already in India, but uh, most of these cards are pretty common in Europe and US. Uh, and now, even going beyond that, we are trying to talk about the driverless cars, which is something that we all, as automotive companies, are innovating. So the point I'm making is, from probably five to six small semiconductor microcontrollers in a car, now we are moving towards 250 to 300 to 500 chips in a car. And not only number of chips, the integration in these chips is also increasing exponentially, just like Moore's law. So from probably a uh, 10,000 transistors or, uh, uh, you know, uh, 100,000 transistors, we are now going into millions of transistors into these chips. So not only number is increasing, the density is increasing. So if we continue to go that way, it is but obvious that the semiconductor content in every sector is increasing. I just talked about automotive. Within automotive, you have electric cars. They have, you know, their own requirements for the advanced uh, charging capabilities, the regenerative braking capabilities, you know, they have the battery management system, which need to be super advanced. Now we're talking about connected cars, where car-to-car connectivity, car-to-cloud uh, connectivity, everything requires semiconductors, right? Now this was automotive. You go to industrial, same thing. You are looking for industrial robots where they can automatically detect which of your shelves in a, let's say, big uh, warehouse are empty and uh, they will have the automatic uh, loading and unloading capabilities. And even knowing that which shelf are empty, you don't need a manual supervision. You know, you will have sensors below each of the shelf which are automatically be talking to your uh, central uh, database, which will be automatically talking to your external warehouse or even a customer warehouse. And then demand will be uh, requested automatic. This all will be governed by advanced electronics and of course, coupled with that uh, smart uh, machine learning and uh, you know artificial intelligence uh, loaded chips, which uh, is the future, right? So any sector you go, health sector you go, you have smart watches, you have smart bands. Each one of these have the capability to measure your uh, sleep pattern, your blood pressure, your you know heart rates, and uh, some of the very advanced phones uh, are actually trying to uh, even decode your ECG, which could be a medical grade, right? We are moving into an era where everything around us at a house, you know, your refrigerator and washing machines are loaded with chips. And they can um, gauge what time of the day electricity is going to be cheaper, uh, what time of the day it is going to be stable, when the loading is less, and uh, so many other factors. Refrigerator can automatically order your food uh, from the warehouses in US now. Right. So long story short, everything that we touch is exponentially growing in electronic content, which indirectly means that the demand for semiconductor manufacturing is going to increase, which automatically means that we need more fabs uh, other than where they exist right now. And I truly believe that uh, you know the pie is going to be too big uh, to be uh, to be uh, you know overloading uh, at least for next one to two decades. That is my hope, wish, and desire as well. But it is backed uh, backed by facts, right? So with the high double-digit growth of semiconductors, I think it is a matter of time um, that any country which will have a fab will be loaded with demand. Uh, to enable this you know, futuristic vision which you painted, Sanjay, I guess it would be very critical to have an enabling ecosystem as well at the same time. And you mentioned the government's policy, the DLI policy as well. Uh, there's also the talk about the Indian semiconductor mission. Now, the issue at this stage is, you know, it's still not clear as to what the details are regarding the ISM. It's a nodal agency within the Digital India Corporation. But how would you prefer, from a public administration standpoint, how would you prefer it to work? 
Should it be an interdepartmental committee? Should it be something comprising of experts which have, you know, basically binding say on the issues uh, as to how, you know, the, uh, the entire thing is run? How do you think it should go ahead? I would say that, you know, very simplistic way for your uh, viewers, uh, you know, just like a, a private organization works with a very clear mandate, very clear targets, and very clear accountability. Uh, I think these things should go hand in hand, even for our ISM to become successful. Uh, so my uh, my dream would be that uh, it is uh, led by able leaders and uh, a great leadership team who know the subject matter of mode semiconductors. Number one, number two, they should be provided uh, with uh, you know as much as empowerment and uh, authority to take decisions as it is being done by any uh, multinational organization CEO. Uh, so that they can execute uh, to that vision without any interruption, without any slowdown. And uh, of course, like uh, even a CEO is accountable to the board. So these people should also be accountable uh, to, the, to the government and to the stakeholders uh, because uh, this is uh, not a small matter, right? We are talking about billions of dollars at stake and uh, you know, multi, multi uh, billions of indirect uh, uh, potential of these fabs and most importantly aspirations of not just um, millions of Indians but also the rest of the world who is going to look at India that if India can become big in design and software and IT can they uh, repeat it in semiconductor manufacturing so it's a matter of credibility it's a matter of pride and I would think that uh, the leadership team who drives that should be uh, uh, good enough to uh, meet all these expectations uh, certainly, they need to be given full empowerment, as I said, uh, for the decision making. And uh, I think rest is going to be going to be very natural outcome uh, that I would assume. And I will probably equate it to the level of, uh, say, the metro projects that were started in India long back. Right at that point in time, when India had no metro infrastructure, uh, I think um, great uh, legendary Mr. Sridharan. Uh, were appointed, right? So he's of a caliber where he demanded empowerment and then he delivered something which uh, right now is he has become role model to many other countries, at least in many states. Same way, I would say the way uh, uh, this the entire Aadhaar and UID uh, process was laid out with a clear leadership and support from the government. Uh, another thing I would like to mention that uh, since this is more of a national cause, uh, much bigger than any political cause. So these kind of institutions should be completely separate uh, from the political changes uh, that happen in the country. So from that perspective, just like uh, election commission, these uh, should not be changed just by government changes. Right? Another very important thing for the stability uh, for this mission for the country. And I think these three things, uh, um, uh, you know, complete empowerment and transparency, uh, right leadership, and the right structure will, will really make us India on the right right path. Just to delve a little bit deeper into your, uh, you, know, you mentioned three things about there being a strong leader, authority to execute the projects, and also being accountable. I want to just go a bit deeper into the first point of having a strong leader. Now, you mentioned the Aadhaar project, uh, you know, in that Mr. Nilekani was given essentially the rank of a cabinet minister. And so would it, would it be possibly worth exploring the option of having the head of the Indian Semiconductor Mission to be somebody who has the cabinet rank, you know, somebody who is like a tech czar who can execute projects at scale. Would that be worth exploring? Why not? Um, uh, again, it is for the government to pick up the right, uh, right kind of uh, 
visibility and impact so that uh, you know this person delivers and is uh, uh, having the impact onto the both national and international uh, scale um, but yeah there could be many ways to uh, to get this in place so what you said could also be one of the possibilities sure uh, now the last question is essentially you know you've been in this in this industry for so long and uh, i'm sure you've heard about the plans in the eu and the us to also sort of boost their production capabilities the us has introduced this bill which is not a law as of now it's called the chips act creating helpful incentives to produce semiconductors uh do you think there are any takeaways which india has to you know essentially learn from from the other countries i know we have our own uh, uh scheme of uh, you know, promoting semiconductor production in the country now but are there any best practices which you can possibly look to from overseas which india can incorporate in its own plan yeah so um my response is uh, you know while we look into every possible best practices or uh, the processes being run across the world you know we have many examples uh, from asia from europe from japan uh, but i'm firm believer that uh, you know some of the things that are specific to india we should be customizing them as per our needs sometimes completely copying it from one country to another may not work because culture is so important into any strategy you know, again there's a famous quote that uh, uh, a culture uh, you know uh, is so important that uh, uh, it can eat a strategy in a breakfast right <laughs> so so that's a quote so uh, i i would say that uh, culturally what suits you india and uh, you know indian uh, democracy democracy based uh, um, operations um, is very different from china where you know you know that whatever you want to do you can do with no resistance of any kind and even if there is you know you can get away with that so i think india needs to find a way where whatever we decide is sustainable for long run and uh, it is exactly suiting to uh, indian demands now i personally believe that india is so huge that we can we can create our own internal demand we don't need to uh, kind of as long as we can maintain that uh, very good policy make uh, making already there that internal industries uh, will be given a preference for the internal sourcing it could be government it could also be applied to lot of indian companies which are taking benefit from government schemes right and slowly slowly once these baby industries are standing on their own feet you know gradually they will not need any subsidies or any uh, you know external uh, support because i also believe that competitiveness at the end of the day is a long term sustainable thing uh, for which every indian company should uh, stand for so yes while we look into every country for best practices i think uh, what makes um, you know good cut for india that is something that we should be doing and uh, creating an internal demand is the first thing that we should do for all of our internal startups and take up the industries well sanjay i wish this discussion could go on longer but uh... I think we are nearing the end of our podcast now so thank you so much for joining us today thank you to you and your entire team for setting this up uh, very glad to have you join us and uh, hopefully we can have you on board for any future discussions on this topic as well thank you very much uh, kunak it was a equally pleasure at my end uh, to join this podcast very important topic for india and i'm sure uh, if we put our acts together sky is the limit for us and in next uh, couple of decades we will be known you know as authority in this field so Thank you so much for uh, bringing this very important point. We'll be back in 2 weeks with a new episode. To make sure you don't miss it, 
be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about our research and team, you can visit us at carnegieindia.org. You can also find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. See you next time.